right. Well, let's go ahead and get started tonight. Uh, we'll again be over there in the book of uh, Philippians. <clears throat> Philippians uh, chapter 4. Um, for those of you that uh, may or may not have heard, um, Arnold Hatfield uh, did pass away on Sunday, and uh, he's home to be with the Lord. Um, there is a, a pending um, a memorial on uh, Tuesday here at the church. I don't have any specific information about time at this point. Um, there was a time that was given, but uh, from what I understand, it might be a little subjective. So um, we're, uh, um, and uh, just to, as an FYI, um, you know, after discussing it with uh, with Heather and she was thinking about it and uh, I, I concur, I think we're going to just go ahead and we'll postpone having VBS on that night. Uh, just that way it gives uh, everybody uh, opportunity free time to to do whatever they need to in regards uh, for that day. So uh, we'll have some more information as uh, we get closer and uh, try to disseminate that as best as possible. Uh, but uh, again, I know uh, that quite a few of us knew Arnold and uh, um, he's uh, obviously no longer uh, suffering. He's in uh, the presence of his Savior and that is a, a wonderful thing to uh, uh, to understand for him and, uh, just, uh, just be in prayer though for the Hatfield family. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, it's a pretty sad time, but, uh, just keep in, keep them in prayer as well. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer and, uh, we will get, uh, started. Um, dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for all that you've done for us. And I thank you above all for the salvation that we have through you knowing Lord that we have an eternal life. Uh, that you've promised, and that is our hope, Lord, that is sure in you. And I pray, Lord, that uh, as we focus tonight to study on your word, that uh, our thoughts, our minds, uh, our hearts, Lord, would be um, ready to receive, would be fixed upon wanting and desiring something from you, and that, Lord, we would uh, retain what we see here this evening, and we would use it for your honor, for your glory, for your praise, that we would grow in you, that we would mature in you, and that, Lord, we would be the servants, the saints, and the children that you desire us to be. <clears throat> Pray, Lord, you just be with me and uh, my voice tonight. Uh, just uh, give me strength uh, to uh, um, just uh, deliver the words that you want spoken, that, uh, Lord, this time would be pleasing, honoring, and glorifying unto you with all that is said and done. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, last week over there in chapter 7, uh, we didn't get as far as I had hoped that we would get, but we kind of began to broach, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 7, we kind of began to broach that subject of the peace of God. Now, we, we've talked about uh, peace many times before. Um, I have uh, referred to peace, and, and one of the key things that uh, has been very important in my life, uh, as uh, God has uh, taught me uh, things of peace, um, and uh, uh, and how, regardless of the stuff that comes, uh, how to find it in this life, um, specifically in Him, uh, not in the world, and not in the things of the world. And as we continue with that same thought that we found over there in chapter two about uh, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, we are talking about that mindset. Um, I, I cannot imagine 
the thoughts, the heart, uh, the, just the, 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 the understanding of what he was going to go through on the cross and, uh, through that whole day, um, uh, just, uh, and yet to still have a, a great amount of peace that he portrayed. And uh, what we find here is as we find these commandments starting in verse 4 about rejoicing in the Lord, about uh, moderation being known and uh, also uh, being careful for nothing and praying, obviously we, we, we change what we are focusing on. And we kind of talked a little bit about that, about, uh, you know, when people get to rot with anxiety and they uh, just, uh, uh, that's all they can think about is uh, the problems and the situations and they don't think about the Lord. They don't go to the Lord and pray. They don't go to the Lord in supplication. They don't go to the Lord uh, in thanksgiving. Um, they don't let the requests uh, be made known unto God. Uh, all of those things are going to cause us to derail our Christian life. And we see in verse 7 where he says, And the God of peace, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> and we, we, we see here, obviously, it's kind of connected down there to verse 9 as well, where he talks about, And the God of peace shall be with you. Peace is an important part of the Christian life. We know that it is actually a part of the fruit of the Spirit when he talks about love, joy, and peace. Um, it, it, it's very much a, an element of uh, that fruit, and if that is missing from our fruit, uh, then it's not the right kind of fruit that we're supposed to be portraying. But what we find here is uh, very clearly, as he's talking about this peace, uh, it, it's, it's the peace of God. Uh, it's not the peace of mankind. In verse 7, he makes it very clear here. This is the peace of God. When a person begins to try to find peace in some other area of their life, um, through some other means, it, it will, uh, it will be found to be just wholly insufficient. Uh, it, it does not provide the peace that is necessary for keeping a mindset that is focused upon Christ. And, th and that is part of how we get that peace. Because as you see here, that peace only is going to come from God. If we're trying to find that peace through, through, through family, through friends, through work fulfillment, through, uh, our, our, our personal experiences, uh, through, uh, any other means, it, it just doesn't, just doesn't work that way. I, I, I really like uh, landscape photography, and one of my favorite parts of landscape photography is um, waterfalls. Um, there's just something about them. I just uh, enjoy looking at them. I enjoy um, scenes of, like with harbors and stuff like that. And some of my favorite photos by some photographers are, are based off of those. And, and, and I just uh, there's something about it that just draws me to it, and they're just uh, they're just peaceful. And when I think about that, I think about how individuals will try to find peace in those type of, if you will, photos, or they'll try to find it through that experience. They'll sit there and they'll, they'll, they'll try to find, uh, uh, um, some sort of uh, peace in this life with, uh, with the things that God has put in, in this world in the form of nature and everything else. And, uh, they're looking at the wrong element. They're looking, they're not looking at God, they're looking at God's creation. And they're worshiping the creation, not the creator. And the end result is, is that they don't have a peace that lasts. The peace is fleeting for a moment. 
when, when you think about how a person will go and they'll go on those retreats, they'll try to uh, go to somewhere where it is a peaceful area. And they'll just enjoy that, but then they go back to the hubbub of just whatever life is, and the end result is is that they they miss the peace, they miss that that peaceful, uh, tranquil environment. But God never promised a peaceful, tranquil environment. He promised peace that's in the heart, and it's, they're two totally different things, because your environment can change in an instant, in an instant. Perfect example. Uh, the other night we, we, we just happened to, to, to be eating at, uh, uh, one of our favorite uh, restaurants, the Thai place. And, uh, um, uh, we're, I'm sitting over there and, and, uh, the day had been already a bit rough for me and, uh, was not, uh, um, one of the best, uh, days I'm going to put up there as, uh, you know, the poster child of everything was grand. Um, but, uh, needless to say, uh, there was some things even in the parking lot trying to park, this car was just being obnoxious and so on and so forth. Well, those individuals came out of the, that car and they came into the restaurant and they sat down, these three young girls, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. I mean, it just, it just, it, it just smacked of it. So I'm just, I'm watching them out of the corner of my eye and I'm waiting for it to happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the owners are going to catch it in time. And, and, uh, they, they just caught it, but still it was not enough to actually get them to pay their bill. So they did a dine-in dash. They ate their food, uh, they left, uh, $8 and then they took off out the door, made a, a run for the car. The owners and one of the, uh, the, um, servers uh, chased after him. Ch- the server jumped on the back of the, the Mercedes and was holding on as they were driving away and then decided that was not a good idea. Uh, the owner's trying to open up the car doors and banging on the windows and things like that, but they got the license plate anyways. Things like that. Uh, you know what? The environment, it changed in an instant. Everybody's just sitting there enjoying their food. Next thing you know, you got people running out the door and so on and so forth and, 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 and things of that nature. And it just, it just got crazy really quickly. And the environment changed. The environment changed. If we're putting our faith and trust in the environment, well, that's going to change. We know that what we see here is not going to last. It is just, you know, we've read to the end of the Bible and we know what the Bible says. But a peace that, that, that is from God is very different because it passes understanding. As he says there, he says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. You know, the world can't grasp it. You know, the things of, of this, uh, uh, of God, the spiritual things, are so foreign to those that are are, are worldly oriented. They can't see. Uh, the, they can't see what God's doing. And even those individuals that are quote unquote spiritually oriented, but are wrapped up in some false religion or or some sort of uh, uh, false hope, the end result is is they still don't have that same kind of peace. That a, a true saint of God that is resting solely in him can, can have. And this is what, what Paul wanted for them. Not only did he want it because there was some contention going on, but he wanted it because this is something that is so important to us. It is such a great gift from God. 
I mean, when, when we start going through and listing all of the gifts of God, starting with salvation, starting with the Holy Spirit sealing us, starting with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to teach us, uh, uh, fellow believers in Christ to encourage and edify. And as we continue to go down the list, it, we, we, we find that there's more and more and more and more and more that God gives. And as one of those great gifts, we have this peace here. We have this peace, and it's it's not something that the world is ever going to understand. They're not going to understand that when 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 all seems lost, and when everybody should be in in, in the worst heartache, that the believer still has peace. Uh, uh, if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you find what uh, the description of peace is really about. I mean, you know. <clears throat> We, 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 we haven't suffered persecution here in the United States the way that others have. Now, there is a form that is out there. I get that. But I will tell you this very clearly. Uh, we have not suffered to the point of blood. We have not uh, gone to the point of where uh, uh, people are, are, are being murdered in the streets just for having a church service or just for having a Bible. Now, we may seem like we're getting close. We may have had a couple incidents that have occurred and happened. Those things exist. But 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 I, I just want us to be clear. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs and it'll change what you think about it. It'll change how you view the world. It'll change how you view what it really means to suffer for Christ. And and they had peace. They had peace all the way through the, 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 the you know the, the the false trials. They had peace all the way through uh, uh, being uh, tied to stakes or whatever it was going to be that was going to be. They had peace in the process of dying. That 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 just totally makes a person look at it and go, "I just don't understand. I don't understand." But a Christian can. A Christian can. That peace of God which passeth all understanding, that it's, it exceeds just this, this common worldly understanding and knowledge of it, is something that when we begin to realize how great it truly is, that we can't even begin to, to, if you will, mine the riches of it. We can't get to the bottom of it. And it's not just understanding, it's all understanding as he's, he's outlined here. All understanding. Plus, is all understanding. You, uh, this uh, past Sunday, we, we talked about Psalm chapter 34, where um, he said over there, um, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And one of the things that he said specifically about the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil, to do good, seek peace, and pursue it. So when we think about this for a second, this is something that is not just going to be something that is easy and it's just going to, if you will, be automatically downloaded. You know, here we've got our phones and we wake up one morning and it says, oh, you've got new installation files. You've got an update on your system. You go through and you do that. And if you've got a Windows-based PC, you, you find that that does it probably, what, three or four times a week, it seems like. And you go through and you get those automatic updates. Peace isn't that. Peace is something that you have to seek. Peace is something that you have to pursue. You know what that means? That means that you can't stop what you're doing. Otherwise, peace will escape you. 
You have to be in the constant pursuit of it, following it, chasing after it, running. And when we think about that, we think, well, that doesn't sound very peaceful. But when you actually obtain it, when it's there, and you realize that it's going to exceed any understanding that you have in this world, you're going to to, to treasure that. You're not going to want it to leave you. And again, I will say this, if you're actively pursuing God, you are pursuing peace. If you are not pursuing Christ in your life, if you are not following his voice, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to have that peace. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we kind of get through the uh, towards the end of this, when we realize that hearing is, is a very important part of what we think. Hearing that shepherd's voice and following that shepherd's voice is what leads us towards that path of peace. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. It's just a couple of pages over. Colossians chapter 3. And you find in Colossians chapter 3, in similar form in verse uh, 15, uh, here he is telling the church, uh, he says uh, in verse 14, he says, Above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity is the glue. Charity has got some adhesion. It's got some stickiness to it, if you will. Talking about being perfect. A person that does not understand charity is going to have a hard time following the commandment, be ye perfect. But in verse 15, he says, let the, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You know what peace of, peace of God has to do? It actually has to have authority in your life. It has to be able to dictate to you what you are to do. If you don't have peace, you're going to have a problem. You're 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 lacking an authority from God. And when there's a lack of authority from God, I guarantee you something else will fill that void. It'll either be you, it'll be someone else, it'll be something else, whatever it may be. But somehow, some way, something will start dictating to you what to do in your life. And I would rather have the peace of God rule with the Prince of Peace, as he is, than have anything else rule in my life. Um, I'll, I'll probably refer back to this illustration, but um, uh, we have an attorney that we have uh, for, for our church, um, and his name is David Gibbs III. Uh, his father, David Gibbs Jr., um, is a well-versed man. He's a lawyer. Uh, all, I guess all three of the David Gibbs are, are lawyers. It just ran in the family, I guess. And, um, uh, and uh, David Gibbs um, Jr. was talking about how he went to Alaska one time for uh, an issue. There was uh, a legal issue. There was a lawsuit that was going on. He flew in there over there. Uh, and then when he flew in... Um, he was going to go ahead and fly back to where he needed to go, um, to, I think, Anchorage or something of that nature. And, uh, there was this going to be, it was going to be a, a costly little flight. And the pastor came up and, and said, Oh, no, 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 no. I did, I got this. Don't worry about it. You come with me in my little plane and we'll just hop right on over there. No problem at all. And, uh, and, uh, Gibbs said against his better judgment, he said, yes. <laughs> 
So he gets in this plane and everything's fine. He turns it on, fires up, everything is good and everything seems to be going well and they're flying and there's no problem at all with the plane. Uh, right up until the point of where um, all of a sudden the skies get a little bit cloudy and the pilot turns over and looks at to, to, to Attorney Gibbs and says, we might have a small problem. He says, when, 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 when I see clouds like this, I, my body reacts differently. I pass out. The pilot just told his passengers he passes out when they enter, when they fly in the clouds. Well, guess what happens? As he's saying that, they fly into a cloud bank and the guy's eyes roll back into his head and he just slumps over. And, and, and Gibbs is like, the other attorney that's sitting in the back says, we're going to die, aren't we? And Gibbs is, sure looks like it. <laughs> and, uh, so <coughs> he, he gets on the, <coughs> he gets the, the other attorney on the radio. He starts calling in, um, just, and they don't know anything about radio protocol for, for, um, for flying or anything of that nature. And he's just the, 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 the other attorney's like, hello, hello, click, click, hello, hello. And finally somebody comes over. Hello? You don't seem to know aviation protocol for, for what's going on. And, and then he explains, he says, yeah, our pilot just passed out and, and we're, we're, we're in this plane and we don't know what we're doing. And uh, he had actually gotten hold of a, um, uh, a 747 that was uh, flying cargo, and that 747 decided to do a circle pattern around this small plane to keep in contact until they could get in touch with Anchorage. Got Anchorage patched through to them, and um, they they were just thankful about that. And the uh, Anchorage uh, tower started talking to them and says, so you don't know how to fly a plane? And they're like, no, we don't, we don't. And he's out, and uh, and 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 uh, Pastor Gibbs said, "Yeah, he's 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 out. If, if he if he wasn't out, I'd definitely be waking him up to kill him right now." But <laughs> he's like, he's out. And um, you know, in, in the face of all of that, while they they understood the the gravity of the situation, there was still some peace. There was still some peace. Um. You know, here they here they are flying, and the 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 tower says, "Now look, uh, I I can see you, and you can't see me, but you can hear my voice. You need to follow my voice. You need to listen." Now, if that isn't spiritual, and he did that. And they were able to successfully land the plane. Because if not, he said in about four minutes, he said, you're going to hit a mountain. So, we, we you know, we're, we're going to have to do things. But you're going to have to do exactly what I tell you to do. He said, I don't want you thinking about the problem. He said, I just want you thinking about what I'm saying and doing he said, I don't want you looking at the storm clouds. I don't want you looking at the ground. I don't want you looking anywhere else. And, and there, there's, there's a great illustration with that when it comes to the Lord. Um, and, 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 and throughout that, that, cause they were flying a little bit towards the evening hours, um, throughout that, all of the, the, the planes that were in the area were all cargo planes and, uh, you know, they're, they're coming on, you know, they're saying, you know, this is, you know, 
8300, you know, heavy, and we're, we're, we just want you to know, you know, we're praying for you guys. Because they wanted them to land. But it was all a matter of following the voice. It was all about following what he said. And when a person begins to understand how important it is in this life to seek peace from the word of God to pursue it, there's a great amount of peace when we start to to just understand that we have to listen to what God says. Not the other voices that are out there. Not any other pilots telling you what to do. Not the, the doubts and the fears that come up in our minds. None of that. And as we go through chapter 7 here, he, he, he points that out. He says, be careful for nothing. You know what that's clearly saying? Don't listen to those voices in your head. You ever have a gut feeling that just was absolutely wrong? It happens. It happens. But what we find here is we find that, that, that God is very clearly pointing this out. And, and as, as we, we saw, he says, this is, this is what you need to have in your life to, to truly get an understanding of how to live. Peace has to be that mindset. Peace has to be there. Turn over to Psalm chapter 29. Psalm chapter 29. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 29, and uh, if, if you take a look there at, at verse 11, it says, The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The problem is, is everybody tries to find peace somewhere else. Somewhere else. Look, there are so many distractions in this world today, but none of them, none of them will lead you in the right path if they're not based off of God. This is the mindset that we have to have. I mean, in Psalm 119, we looked at this when we studied this chapter, Psalm 119, in verse 165, uh, it's it's a, a very good verse. It's a very classic verse. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, let's just face it. In this life, you are going to be offended by just about everybody. You, you have got to accept that. You have got to accept that somebody is going to say something to you really, really stupid. And they're going to say something that they may or may not have intended. And furthermore, uh, they're going to do things that are really, really stupid. And and and, and people are going to look at that and, and, and they're going to get frustrated with it. But look, if your if your heart is fixed upon the word of God... And you love that into the point of where it is the affection of your heart. Guess what happens? You're going to have not just peace, but great peace. Peace that passes all understanding. This is the peace of God that he desires for us that, that, that we really should be wanting. Turn over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> and we know... You know, obviously, verses 8, 9, and 10, 
But as we go down a little bit further into this chapter, and, and uh, uh, as he he says in verse uh, verse thirteen, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We're brought close to 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 Jesus, or we're, we're brought we're brought close to God by the blood of Christ. If that blood of Christ had not been shed, we would not have that uh, that ability to be nigh to Him. And He says here in verse fourteen, "For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us." Talking about you know the issues between Jew and Gentile. Talk about two individuals that are constantly at, at, at odds with one another. You know what makes peace? Jesus Christ. If you ever have a conflict in your life, if you ever have an issue that comes up, whether it's your marriage, whether it's any relationship or friendship, uh, uh, um, siblings, whatever it may be, if conflict is there and war is present, and, and, and you find very clearly that there is a wall that is separating you, then I dare say Christ is not part of that. If Christ is in that relationship, and both of those parties are seeking to pursue Christ and pursue peace, he is our peace. When you start focusing on who Jesus Christ is, look, uh, offenses really aren't that big. I mean, has your offense been so bad that you actually nailed somebody to a cross? Well, mine were. My offense is it was staying so bad that he had to die for me. And he was willing to give himself. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to lay down his life because he loved me. And the end result is, is that he is now my peace. So anytime I think of something that could be uh, separating somehow a relationship of any way, shape, or form, then, then I have to focus on Christ. I have to focus on him. He is the prince of peace. It is the peace of God. It passes all understanding. That is what we need in this life. You know what? And, and here's the important part as we get moved down a little bit further in the chapter 4 of Philippians. Peace is necessary for the security of thought. If peace is not in the mindset, you're, you, you are leaving a very wide open door for something else to come in. Peace is the security. Take a look back over there in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. He says there, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, look at this second part, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus or through Christ Jesus. Now keep. We've talked a lot about the word keep and what the word keep means. Keep is a protective act. Keep is something that is meant for a guard. Keep is something that is is very clearly meant to 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 retain and to hold on to it. Because it's something of value. It's something of importance. And here God is saying that your heart and your mind, he is going to keep that. He is obligating himself to keep it where it needs to be if the peace of God is ruling in us. If it's ruling in our hearts, 
then that is going to keep us. You know, over there, we find that Peter's talking about keeping us from falling and the things that we need to do for that. Here we are talking about the same thing, but this is, this is the obligation of the Prince of Peace as he comes along and he says, okay, if you're going to be seeking peace, you're pursuing it, you're pursuing me, you want that that passes all understanding that that is from God and from God alone, then what I'm going to do is if you are focused on that peace, I'm going to help you keep your thought life in, 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 in where it needs to be. Because I, I find this very frequently. If there's somebody that has issues with a thought, I guarantee you there is not peace in their life. Until that peace is pursued and that peace is brought into that person's life, they're going to have trouble with that thought. It's not going to be brought into captivity. It's not going to be brought into captivity. Knowing knowing this in verse 7, as we go through this and we we, we get to to, to verse 8 here, we find that he starts talking about the thinking process. The thinking process. And he says, okay, first and foremost, let's establish something. You've got to have peace of God in, you know, that you have to have that as a key important element. That's what's going to keep your heart and your mind where our thoughts originate from. He says, understand, <coughs> understanding that, here I'm going to give you a list of things for you to think about. Here, I'm going to give you a list of things that we, we, we think about. This is what our thought process should be. In verse 8, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he says, this is what I want you to think about. Here's how we, we we formulate our thought process. So if you've ever struggled with, with, with thoughts creeping in that shouldn't be there, you got to start going through this process and asking yourself, okay, does it meet these qualifications? If it's not meeting these qualifications, then you know it is a thought that does not belong. And any thought that does not belong should not be entertained according to 2 Corinthians 10.5. It needs to be detained, brought into captivity. It needs to be done away with, and we need to be obedient to Christ. So here's what we start looking at. He says very uh, uh, the very first thing out of the gate, uh, where he's talking about whatsoever. Uh, he says finally, but obviously we know that that's not the finality of the chapter. This is the finality of, the, this is where we're, we're thinking. This is where the important part lies. Verse 8 is one of the most critical verses in all of Scripture. And here he is saying, whatsoever. Now again, whatsoever is a very broad category, okay? And he does that for a reason. Because whatever thought is going to creep up in your life, whatever thought you're going to have, you have to start analyzing it this way. I don't care where that thought comes from. I don't care if you, you get that thought because somebody else told you. I don't care if that thought originated organically in your heart. I don't care if that thought was planted by something you listened to, something you saw, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I, it doesn't matter. Where, wh- wherever it came from, whatever it, it is, here's what we have to take a look at. 
So we have to ask ourselves, if we're focused on this thought, is it true? Is it true? In today's day and age, people are talking about truth, they're talking about fact-checking, they're talking about all this ridiculous stuff, and it just, it, it just, it blows my mind that as they're sitting there thinking, uh, they're, they're going to go about fact checking. I'm like, okay, great. You want to fact check? Let's fact check it with scripture. Oh, they won't do that. We can't do that because not everybody believes scripture. Well, there's the problem. There's the issue. Why does crime continue to rise? Because people are not following Jesus Christ. You're like, well, it's not that simple. Yeah, actually, really, it is. Really, it is. If more people were doing this thought process, they would be not. They, they wouldn't be sitting there thinking about how they could dine and dash. <laughs> they wouldn't be thinking about how they could get your catalytic converter or steal your truck. They wouldn't be thinking about stuff like that. So the very first thing that we start off with is 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 true. Is it true? Meaning, does it conform to something that is factual? Now, again, people are, are trying to shift what is what is factual, but but let's just be very truthful about what is factual. What is factual is truth itself, and God said very clearly, His word is truth. He Himself is truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We, we, we get the understanding that God is true. He's not like any other God. I mean, he says that over and over in scripture in the Old Testament. He, they called him the one true God. What does that mean? Baal was false. Asheroth was false. Himnam Molech was false. All the rest of them, Dagon, false. Anything else that they believed that was out there was false. There's only one true God. Everything else tries to masquerade as it. It puts on a show. It is a sham. It is a lie. And what do we find? That's what truth is. It's conformable to fact. It's, if you will, it's the actual state of things. And, and this is what I like because when you start dealing with anxiety and you know fears, and they slip into that role of or, uh, that, that that category of irrational, you have to start here. And I like the fact that God starts there with true. Isn't it true that many times we stress over things that have not even happened or come to fruition yet? Because we have manufactured in our own minds what we think the end result will be. As if we are some sort of diviner or soothsayer or seer that we can actually predict the future. Well, based off of my circumstances and based off of my experiences and based off of this, I can pretty be certain that this is going to be the case. But then God comes along and he does the impossible. He did the impossible with Jesus Christ. He did the impossible with Moses. He did the impossible with David. He did the impossible with Noah. He did the impossible with Abraham. I mean, do we really need to go on? And we would all sit there and think, well, that's never going to happen. Just like Sarah. (laughs) I'm never going to have a kid. 
And God says, why is your wife laughing in the tent? She's like, I'm not laughing. You weren't laughing. I mean, you understand that that's the thought process. See, see, see we go into something that is called manufacturing. We, we create these, these scenarios in our head. And many times, you know what happens? We actually exaggerate them. We exaggerate them. I'm going to use my, my, uh, oldest daughter, Abby, as an example. This, this morning, I, I woke up at 5.45 with a start. Look around. And I'm listening because I think maybe I'm going to be here, Abby, getting ready to go to work. I don't hear anything. Well, I thought she had to go to work at 7. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll just go back to sleep. Yeah. Maybe I should go check. Nah, she's 21. <laughs> Out I go. <clears throat> 6.43 rolls around. And it sounds like I've got a rabid panda running through the household. Because she's got to be at work at 7 o'clock, and she just woke up. And I hear this, you know, I hear this, all coming from her room. And then I hear this, all across the hall, doing something in the bathroom. And then door flings open, and down the stairs, some more noise and things going on. And then I hear this all the way to the front door, grabbing the keys, opening the door, closing it. The ring doorbell goes off, all that stuff. And then, you know, she gets in her car and uh, gets in the Acura and she's driving to work. And and, and, and I was t- telling her this and I was describing it. She was just laughing. And uh, and I said, and all I heard was, she's peeling. she didn't, okay? Yeah, I just exaggerated, right? <clears throat> It is well within the rights of pastors to exaggerate for sermons. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, I, I exaggerated a little bit. It really wasn't that bad. You know, she got to work on time. Everything was good and things like that. She was a little hurried in the morning, but, you know, things were all right. But, you know, I exaggerate and say, you know, you know, it sounded like a panda rolling around in the house and sounded like, you know, uh, you know, things you know, getting smashed and destroyed and stuff like that. I'm exaggerating. You know, sometimes we do that in our head about situations. We make them worse than they really are. Somebody says something to us. Something totally benign. Let, 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 let's say you're, you're, you're there and you've got part of your burrito left. And you're looking at the burrito because it was one of those massive burritos and you're not sure if you're going to finish it. And somebody comes up to you and they say these words. Are you going to finish that? Benign, right? But depending on our mood, depending on what we think, we heard it in our head. Are you going to eat that? Like, you really don't need it. Is that what the person said? Absolutely not. Maybe we read it in there in, in, in our minds of, are you going to eat that? Like they want to eat it, right? But that's not what was said. You see how quickly we manufacture things? So the very first thing God says, when you start thinking about something, ask yourself, is that really true? 
Is that really what happened? Is that really the actual state? Is that really what I am concerned about? Is that really the situation at hand? If you start there, I guarantee you a lot of things will just go out the door because you'll be like, I really can't read that into there. What do we do? We dismiss it. It doesn't need to be addressed. It's not something that was of importance. You know what happens? The peace of God comes in. You don't have to worry about it. You're not concerned about it. But man alive, just a simple start with that. You realize that Jesus Christ is true according to first, according to John chapter one, verse four. So if our thought process is focused solely upon Christ and Him being true, then we don't have space for any lies to be told. So whatsoever things are true. Now, in a very similar fashion, and, you know, we'd think there were a synonym where he says whatsoever things are honest. But honesty is very different than truth. Honesty is free from fraud. There's no deception in it. And what this means is it has, when something is honest, it has this disposition to be righteous. It has a disposition to be morally correct. So we have to start asking that question. Well, we need to be honest about this. Is there any shade of fraud in this? Am I bringing up fraud? Am I deceiving myself? I mean, God talks about that a lot in Scripture. Doesn't he say, be not deceived, God is not mocked? Well, what happens? We deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. And when we start getting to the point of where we're removing anything that could be fraudulent in nature or removing anything that might be considered uh, um, in any way, shape, or form deceitful, then again, we're not going to have time for that. We're going to be too concerned about what the honest thing to do is. You know, you want to have somebody that is, is an honest individual. You want to be known as an honest individual. You want to be known as the guy that is, or the gal that is the one that's morally upright in all circumstances. You don't want to have a shade of anything having to do any with any sin or anything of that nature. You don't want to be the one that is known as the as, as the fraud. You want to be the one that God clearly says. This guy is honest. And take a look at how he described Job. Can God describe that with us? So here he is, he's saying, look, you know, you, here's, the, here's the start of the thought process. All right, if it's true, we can think on it. If it's not true, we don't think on it. Is it honest? Is there, is there, is there, is there free from fraud? Is it actually have some things that are associated, I mean, you know, solely about righteousness and doing what is correct? Okay, then I'm going to think on that. But if it's something that meh, might be in that gray area, I'm not going to think about it. Remember what I was talking about with those resources? You have 10 resources. 
And out of those 10 resources, if eight of them are focused on God, you still have the opportunity for two of those to be filled with sin. This is why God wants 100% of you. 100% of you. And it starts off with this thought process, this thought life. He then goes into this thing of, of, of just, whatsoever things are just. You know, we talk a lot about justice in this world today, and people, I, honestly, the world has no concept of what justice is. But the, you know what just is? It's something that conforms to the law. Conforms exactly to the law. Now, God's a just God. And as such, you know what that means? It means that he will judge sin. So when you're having a conversation with somebody that may not be saved, and you ask them that question, well, have you ever sinned? They may say, well, hasn't everybody? No, I wasn't asking about everybody. I was asking about you. And they'll go, oh, I'm sure you have. And you go, absolutely, I sinned. Absolutely. And it was my sin that nailed them to the cross. So again, have you ever sinned? Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stole anything? Have you ever done anything that is contrary to God? And eventually they will admit and they will say, well, yeah, okay, if God's a just God and he's going to judge sin and he's going to judge sin equitably and fairly, which is what just is, then he has to judge your sin just as bad as he judges the sin of any mass murderer. That should cause some bit of terror in our lives. That should cause a little bit of apprehension about, okay, well, then what happens next? Well, what happens next if we die in our sins is we go and we perish in a devil's hell. But if you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have forgiveness of sins, you have a home in heaven. So we very clearly see that these these things, when he's talking about what things are just, we actually have to ask, is it conforming to the law? You know, you go back over there in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. That's how it described Noah. Described him as a just man. Interestingly enough, it also described Lot that way too. But what we find here is we find that God very clearly describes how he wants us to think, and he wants us to think justly, meaning it's conforming exactly to his word. His word is law. And, and, and he wants us to be equitable in its distribution of justice. That's what being just is, is equitable in its distribution of justice. You know what that means? That means that we all realize we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not going to sit there and judge one person worse than anyone else. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to come alongside, I'm going to comfort, I'm going to edify, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to help, I'm going to do what it mean, whatever means necessary to make peace. I'm going to do my dead level best to make sure that I can't, that I'm not saying in front of God. And he says, did you do everything that you could? And well, no, I kind of did it halfway. No. And that's, sometimes that's hard to do because we, we, we are, we're, we're respecters of persons, aren't we? Aren't you glad God's not a respecter of persons when it comes to salvation? And he didn't look at you and go, yeah, I don't know. You're not one of those elect according to Calvin. So, <laughs> no. <clears throat> what does he do? He looks at you and he says, well, you trust in me as your Lord and Savior. I will receive you. 
whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord. It's a whosoever. No specific qualifications. And then he talks about pure. Pure. Uncorrupted and unadulterated. Thought processes get very corrupted and they get very adulterated very quickly in this world. Why is that? Because of how we're affected. Because of influence. So you know what we have to do? We have to make sure that we are steeling ourselves against that and we are wearing that armor of God that he has told us to put on, the whole armor of God, and at the same time also using him as our fortress, our refuge, our strong uh, uh, stronghold, our high tower, uh, and, and also having that peace of God that's going to keep it. That's going to keep those things. So what we begin to do is we begin to look at this when it comes to purity. We, we, we say, well, you know what? I'm not going to do anything that uh, could be viewed anything else. Now, Paul talks a bit about that, about being blameless. You don't want to be blamed for it. You don't want to be uh, at the wrong place, wrong time. Um, that would be a horrible thing. As, uh, as, as Charles Spurgeon said, he said uh, he's wholly convinced that uh, Christians don't believe the word of God. He said, he said if they did believe the word of God, then they wouldn't be doing what they were doing because they could believe that Jesus Christ would come back at any moment in time. And if he comes back at any moment in time when they're sitting there thinking about that, they're doing this or they're doing that or they're in a place where they shouldn't be or they're heading to a place where they shouldn't be or something of that nature, he said that would keep them from it. Because how would it, I mean, how horrible would it be? Is it right there and you're in the middle of doing something that is sinful and, you know, the trumpet sounds and God's there and he goes, um, what you doing? Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like when we catch our dogs doing something they shouldn't. They start doing the, looking all over the place. But that's not an excuse with God. So we have to ask, is it pure? Is it free from any corruption, any carnality, any sin? Is it free from that? Is it unadulterated by the things of the world? Is it contaminated? I need to make sure that that stuff is not in my life. Definitely not in my thought processes. So we have to, we have to, we have to think on these things, by the way. This is, again, not a passive thing. This is an active, active behavior. And he says, whatsoever things are lovely. Now, this is, this is an interesting word. When we start thinking about what things are lovely, we, we clearly understand that word, the root word is love. So, so let's ask this question. When we start talking about things that are lovely, does it possess the qualities that invite Affection. Does it possess qualities that invite affection? Now, Jesus Christ clearly made a statement saying that we should be affected by the things in heaven. He says, don't set your affections on things of this earth, but lay up your treasures in heaven, right? So if we're affected by things of this earth, we have to be careful. 
Does it match the love of God? Is it lovely? Can we say that I am being affected in my thought life by how God has continued to demonstrate his love towards me? How does that affect the way I think? If I'm going to change the way I think, then I have to start thinking that way. I can't think any other way. I have to think about the things that are lovely. And that means the things that are connected directly to God's love. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world. We begin to realize exactly how great the love of God is and what, 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 it, what draws us to that. Then we ourselves should say, well, I want to be drawn to whatever it is that is affecting me that way that is lovely. And we're talking about the things of God. The things of this world, when we view the things of this world, they're not lovely. They're not lovely. Sin is disgusting. Sin is sick. Sin is uh, uh, described as a sickness, as a disease, as a putrefying sore, as, I mean, you know, the list goes on. He talks about dung. He talks about vomit. I mean, everything that just kind of makes people go, that's how he describes sin. And in no way, shape, or form is that lovely. You know what it is? It's the opposite. It's something that you despise. It's something that you don't necessarily want to be around. So what do you do? You go after the things that are lovely. The things that are lovely. And then as he closes this, he, he, he in this, this, uh, this thought life here, he says, of good report. Of good report. Meaning, uh, can we be free of that thought process? Can it be free from any accusation of wrong? If our thought was portrayed right now on a television screen for a jury to watch and to look at, would they find anything wrong with our thought process? Who's the first to volunteer? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not going to happen. Because by the time we get to just number one, we probably realize, well, I failed on that today. (laughs) Well... Just because you failed doesn't mean that you're a failure. You know what it means? It means a righteous man falleth seven times and riseth again. You stand up and you do it right. And you keep standing up till you do it right. And you keep doing that over and over and over and over and over and over again. We don't stop. But the question is, 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 is we look at this and we ask, okay, well, is it free from anything that could be accused of being wrong? Does it, does it, does it just look wrong on the outside? Just this thought itself, is, is, is that really truly, could I say that pleases God? Well, if it doesn't please God, then it's not of a good report. It's not what it should be. If somebody was to sit down and write a report of everything that we did on a daily basis that were following us around, man, I'm pretty sure that probably by the nine o'clock I would have stuffed the guy in the closet and locked him up. (laughs) 
because you'd already have a notebook full. But the idea and the concept of what I'm getting at with this is that we have to actually start to say, okay, is this truly a blameless thought that is in my life? Could, could, could I actually say that this is going to be reported as a good thing? Man, the news, the reporters today, they report anything, don't they? Fact, fiction, whatever. And what is the common concept? If it bleeds, it leads, right? I mean, everything. And then they, at the end, they try to throw in some little feel-good message because they just spent 30 minutes just tearing you down, including the commercials. <laughs> so what do you do? You're like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes me feel a little better. Well, if it's of a good report, you know what that thought is going to do? It's going to report things that are good in your life, good works, blessings from God. All of that. All of that. I didn't get to these last two because, again, if you will, this is kind of the filter, that part where it talks about uh, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. But that's the, the, the start of that. And we'll get to that, the Lord willing, next week. But I want us to just kind of go through that list and start asking ourselves, every time we, we've got a thought, every time we propose with a problem, everything, start going through that thought process. Start going through the checklist. Start analyzing. Is it truly matching what God wants it to? If it's not, if one of these things isn't right, that's not a thought that God wants rolling around in our hearts or in our head. So we've got to get rid of it. Got to bring it into captivity. And we'll talk more about that, Lord willing, next week. But let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again, the Lord, for just this... Um, the preserved word that we have right here in front of us, that, uh, that Lord, you, you tell us how to live this Christian life. And Lord, uh, it's just as simple as listening to you and, and doing it. Um, Lord, we make things more complex than we need to. And Lord, I pray that we would just set that stuff aside, that Lord, we would follow the simplicity that we see here, and we'd ask ourselves about the things that we think about. And if it matches these, Lord, that we would continue to think on those things that please you. But if not, Lord, they would be put away. They would be cast aside. They would not be part of what we are affected by in this life. Lord, again, I just thank you for those that are here tonight. I pray, Lord, you just take us home safely. Bring us back to safely again on Friday night for our Friday night fellowship, Lord, with the youth. And again on Sunday. And Lord, again, I just thank you for all that you've blessed us with and this time that we've had. And Lord, may we edify one another as we close. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.